Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. You're listening to the Archaeology Podcast Network. Welcome to episode 149 of a Life Ruins podcast. We investigate the careers, careers and and lives and research, the careers and research of those living a life in ruins. I am your host, Carl Tegover, and I'm joined by my co-host, David Howe. Connor is not here. He, David, Connor's not here tonight. He is currently cosplaying as the Hunchback of Notre Dame. Oh, my God. <laughs> so, uh, the dude slipped a disc. <laughs> I, think, oh. I think the Hunchback slipped a couple discs. So it doesn't happen. I ordered one of those, by the way, finally. A Hunchback? No, not the Hunchback. The, the, the thing in your hand. What is it called? Oh, a fume? Yeah, I ordered one. I just have an oral fixation of putting a lot of things in my mouth, so this is what I like to use it for. Same girl. Uh, you, you guys should go to www.fume.com slash ruins and get yourself 20% off of this fume <laughs> stick thing. Where do you re-up pods for those things or the, the filters? www.fume.com slash ruins. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, it literally is just flavored air is all this thing is. I've never like jeweled or nicotine vaped in my life but i just right i like breathing in cranberry flavored air i guess is there any vapor that comes out no it's straight up like you're just inhaling a mint through an 80 dollar tube yeah. it's 60 dollar tube if you go to life fucking <laughs> <laughs> i did use that promo and i did order the journey pack which came with one of the what the one device and a month's worth of flavored air cartridges this sounds about right. So, looking forward to it. But uh, today uh, we're not. We've gotten distracted. We've gotten way off off topic, per usual. But today on this episode of one forty nine, episode one forty nine of Life Runes podcast. Apologies. Me and David wanted to dive into the very riveting, exciting, and cutting edge topic of style versus function. Yes, we do. Why? Is this concept, this classification of, of, is it even considered a classification? It's basically just about the form of objects yeah. and then. Style versus function is like the idea that if you dig up an artifact, you can look at it. And if it's say a biface or a projectile point or a knife, you know, okay, this is a cutting implement. That's its function. But like the style is a Clovis point versus an archaic trinotch point. Is there a different function between those two things or is it just style? Uh, and you can look at that through today. And it's like, is an iPhone, the function is to call and use the web. And, you know, it's a million different things. But a thousand years from now when someone digs it up, they're going to be like, I think these smaller ones were probably more efficient for carrying than the bigger ones or something. Like, it's just like, how do we look at this archaeologically? And you can apply it to like any modern tool that you could dig up. 
Absolutely. The dichotomy between style and function was first formulated in the late 1970s by Robert Dunnell and remains an axiomatic within the theoretical perspective of evolutionary archaeology. The original definitions of style and function were grounded in biological evolutionary concepts regarding neutral variation versus variation that is subject to natural selection. Basically, what the the deal is here is when we're looking at the archaeological record, especially when it comes to a material culture that is in deep time and trying to categorize, identify the use of objects, it gets a little wonky because, of course, the people from that time can't speak for themselves. And generally, depending on how far back in time you're going, how useful the ethnographic record can be in interpreting these objects gets really difficult. So especially when it comes to I think to me, when I think of style versus function, David, like flutes on a paleo Indian point. Yes. Come to mind because they, after what is it like fulsome points, projectile points aren't fluted anymore and just kind of goes away. Fulsome is like one of the later ones. Yeah. There might be one or two others, but fulsome would be the bigger one. Clovis, Folsom, Cumberland. And, and for those that are listening who have no idea what a flute is, a flute, like if you imagine a projectile point or an arrowhead, spear point, whatever. Imagine a racing stripe up the middle. That's an excellent description. I was really struggling. Yeah, like a little notch of a sometimes like carving a sleep, out a little. Sometimes a nap, flint nap. Yep, I know. Your face is, okay, all right, moving on. <laughs> <laughs> uh, up the center. And it just largely disappears. Now, I have heard... And I can't tell who I heard this by that like the process of fluting a point, which happens at the end of production of a projectile point, if done incorrectly, will snap a point and all the time you just put into creating that point is now wasted except for practice. 40% fail rate, I believe. Really? That's pretty high. I think it might be lower. That might be among modern nappers. I don't know what it is in the past. Gotcha. Yeah. It's either 40 or 30%. It's pretty high. Have you ever fluted a point before? Yes. Only one successfully. The other six have broken in half. So you have like a, a 15% success rate. Yes, it's a pretty low success rate. I've never got to the point in a projectile production to even be close to somewhere where I can flute. Something good for you, dude. It's taken Were they like years. Clovis points or Folsom's? Well, I attempted to make a Clovis point. It might look like a Colby, and I just tried to float it, flute it. Isn't um, just a Colby point of Clovis point that's got undergone the frizzing effect? I just they're just bigger Clovis points to me. But yes, I thought they were smaller. The frizzing effect. The one I made was bigger. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, <laughs> sounds good. <laughs> to my to my understanding. Anyway, we're, yeah, we're losing track here. Yes. So the the point of the fluting would be like some people think it it so you can haft it better. I think that's the major idea. I would subscribe to that. It's it's like thinner to put on the shaft. But other people think it might be like a rite of passage, like, oh, can you flitten up this? Cool, you can you can join our club. Uh, other people think it might do with bloodletting, like a bloodletting. Uh, like katana. Yeah. Like a katanas have blood grooves down the side of them so that when you stab them into somebody, the suction doesn't go all around it. Like the blood automatically comes out. So it like stops the wound from sealing. So I thought flutes were doing that. But that part of the point is usually hafted and tied so it just makes no sense i have seen i think it was donnie and Devin talk about putting grooves into adelaide i forgot he listens he's currently screaming at me because i i Darts. incorrectly sized a uh, colby point gotta love donnie dust love the man. but 
it was either Devin or Donnie or both of them were talking about putting grooves into the side of Adelaide darts. Mm-hmm. I forget what the purpose of those were, but I don't want to talk out of out of hand. But grooves I, I believe down the side. Yeah, on both I sides it's for that purpose. Then yeah, but they didn't say bloodletting. I think it was to make it like more flexible. Wiggly in the air. Yeah, I don't yeah. see style or function. Text him. Ask him. <laughs> I'm afraid to text <laughs> to text either of them at this point. <laughs> Let's just call him and put him on air and ask him. No, I'm not gonna bother that. All right, he's probably busy filming something. Yeah, busy, uh, busy man. But like when it comes to style and function, especially when you look at ceramics in particular, like ceramic designs, those are like pretty much over ninety percent of the time going to be all about style. Yeah. And, and like, we could also get into the, the idea too, that like different cord stamped versus like paddle stamped versus like circular designs on, it can get into like a spiritual or a, like a religious different, a different function in that regard. But that's yeah. other stuff that doesn't fossilize that we can tell either. <laughs> yeah. There's a really good argument that Ramsey and size pottery, which is a particular sort of Oneota pottery production on the shoulders of pots is representative indicative of raptor wings it's a thing um hashtag adam yes. driver yes <laughs> raptor wings raptor. do the raptors have wings in 10 million what is the movie no called? 65 was the name of the movie and and yeah. no there among the many issues of the movie none of them that I have to pick currently were about the dinosaurs. There's just the plot and the writing. The The weirdest part of the movie was after years, like almost two decades of Jurassic Park, three decades of Jurassic Park being out, when everyone's like, Lake Cretaceous era dinosaurs had feathers. There wasn't one feather to be seen in this Lake Cretaceous movie. <laughs> and they had 30 years to figure that out. But no, they were like very just like chicken skin looking lizards. Okay. Was it better than the last Jurassic Park? Jurassic World Functionally, Evolution. no. Stylistically, <laughs> no. Really? I actually haven't seen the newest Jurassic Parks because they looked like ass. <laughs> it was it was bad. It wasn't good. Zero out of ten would not recommend. You're gonna do my man BD Wong as a bad guy? Get out of here. And so why does this matter in the archaeological record? It mostly boils down to under trying to understand human behavior and also like classification of like, well, what's the purpose of this human decision in the production of a material culture. And then archaeologists will argue about it for a decade, sometimes vehemently. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I remember Dunnel Vision being brought up in, in class. Dunnel Um, Vision. I like that. Dunnel Vision. It's like, if you're, if you're too bogged down in this, I think it's Dunnel Vision. That might not be a, a kind thing to say to somebody that they have Dunnel Vision. And I'm saying this out loud, but uh, I'd like you to elaborate, you know, who knows, elaborate on the the idea of the, the evolutionary archaeology of this. Like, is that the style evolves? Is that what it's trying to get at? This I believe. Almost I eight believe years ago me now. Yeah, I believe so. It's been a while. I haven't got into style versus function a hot minute just because like most of my research has been so based on radiocarbon and then also like settlement patterns. But actually, that's a pretty good, pretty good segue in terms of like with my work, how how I see style versus function comes in house forms and settlement patterns, like the style of house, particularly on the Great Plains, like an Earth Lodge, which is a basically a man-made hobbit hole, I think is the best way I can describe it. Like you got a spherical mound of dirt inside is 
massive log beams and there is a elongated entryway and you find these in the in the Great Plains, particularly Nebraska, Kansas, South Dakota, northern Oklahoma, and it's like the indicative Pawnee, Arikara, Wichita, Ponca, Omaha, Mandan, Hadatsa form of house. And that people that come later, like the Poncas, Otos, and Omahas, adopt earth lodges as they move into the plains from like the Pawnee and Arikara teach them. Turns out they're like tornado proof, which is a really? pretty good form of house to have in tornado alley yeah like the spherical shapes of the houses like mm. nothing's getting in there i also always wondered like why like teepees and things like that out in the plains are like the shape they are and i imagine it has to do with the wind like once yeah. moved out there so um, like people think teepees are perfectly conical they're not actually like and same thing with earth lodges, the entrance ways to a lot of these houses, there's a, there is a religious component to it, why they point the certain way they do. However, generally they're looking to the south, the entrance ways to the southeast or to the east in general. The reason being is like, where does the cold wind come in from generally? The Northwest. So okay. Canada. <laughs> yeah. So you don't want your house to open up into the, the frigid Arctic air. And teepees actually lean towards the Northwest generally. Like teepees have a slight bend in them. So the front poles actually are, are putting pressure onto the back poles. So as the wind's coming down, it's actually pushing into those, those poles that are at much more of a acute angle as opposed to the obtuse angles of the back poles okay yeah didn't know that but the little i think it's a reservoir that's in centennial wyoming a little town outside laramie like there's a weird like conical shaped structure it looked like a just a man-made t like a, a cement made tp mm -hmm. but when i first saw that i was like why is it shaped like that oh the wind and like it hit like because i thought it was just easy to move poles and skins like as a house somewhere but yeah it's got to be the wind otherwise they would make way different houses i would think yeah. And traditionally, like Pawnees and Rick Ross, like all the tribes that did the biannual bison hunting, you'd have the one in the winter, you'd bring your teepees out. But one in the summer, Pawnees and Rickers had, had a summer house. So we wouldn't bring the teepees out. It was, um, there's really cool photos of it, but it's like more of a, it's it's not even fully enclosed. It basically kind of looks like a an ovular lean-to because you don't need to worry about the wind really in the summertime. You just need to worry about the rain. So mm -hmm. it's it's not even fully enclosed, but it looks like like when when baby Yoda Grogu's little fucking pods open, that's what they kind of look like. Oh, cool, cool. If that makes any sense. And I don't even yeah, know like if, a case. Know, kind of, yeah, basically. Yeah. And just but and like you don't need as in terms of like function, you know, a teepee's a shitload of bison hides as compared to as those summer yeah. tents much less right so it was really only the horse nomads that show up in the 18th century along the western plains they are the full-time tp people right because they just need mm -hmm. the one all year round you can open that up and let it be breezy and stuff too right yeah. whereas like for the farmers on the missouri river the summer bison hunt that's where you're really getting the most meat so you can reduce your carrying capacity like the initial carrying capacity of of the teepees with just these like summer lodges which are an eighth of the size and weight of a teepee and you can go out get more meat and bring it back to the to the town hmm. okay well that was an excellent example of style versus function in the next segment i'd like to get into some more and i, I promise you guys this will be this will be some fun stuff to think about 
Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks... Then, there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And welcome back to episode 149 of the Life Runs Podcast. I am here with David, and we are talking about style versus function, archaeology. So we're going to do a lightning round of sorts. I'm going to name David an object that can be in the archaeological record or in contemporary society. And he's going to elaborate whether it's style versus function. Go to perchance.org and you can type in a randomizer for a, a random object. We can do this. Perchance.org. Okay. Okay. I like I that. I just found that it might be a you know wide supremacy website, but not yet. Xbox 360 controller. Okay. The, see, video game controllers are a perfect, perfect example of this because I loved the GameCube controller. It was ergonomic. It was perfectly made for playing Super Smash Brothers, for playing any kind of Zelda game, because you could map the buttons to do what you wanted to do. However, people complained that it hurt your hands after a while, but also it only had one analog stick. It didn't have two. You had the camera stick on the right. So Xbox and PlayStation were like, hold on, move over. Let's make two analog sticks. And like people moved on to that because you had a lot more first-person shooter games that have people needing their left thumb and their right thumb to be doing the steering and the walking and things. Nintendo games didn't do that at the time, so that was the perfect game for their controller for that. But all that being said, even with a modern Xbox 360 controller or a PlayStation, what are they on? PlayStation 5 now? 6? Yeah, 5. I don't play those. Like, you have controllers that look different. Like, you could look at an Xbox controller and a PlayStation controller and be like, okay, these have a a video game function. Like, I know what these are. But, like, 4,000 years from now and someone digs that up, what are they going to think the differences were between a PlayStation and an Xbox controller? Like they're not going to understand that there were different corporations that made them. They might think they're different factions of people. And again, I'm talking about this in the sense of like looking at it archeologically. Cause we, for the same reason I could pick up a Clovis point made in Tennessee. That's a little bit smaller and a Clovis point that's made in Wyoming and say, these are two different people that made these, but really it could be the same person or same group of people. Just somebody made one that was smaller. And like they had less rock to work with. So it's like, how do we, how do we look at this? And like, would a PlayStation controller have more worth? Would it be worth, or does it cost more money than an Xbox controller? I don't know. This is the style versus function. That's pretty cool. And I think looking at the history of console controllers, I think we have hit like nailed down the function. Cause we, we've gone through like so many different iterations. Like you look at Nintendo 64, versus a GameCube. Like that was mm-hmm. a radical change to make it easier to play a game. And then the next step, and they basically just like kind of copied what the other two game systems were doing. Although like, are you, I'm more fond of the Xbox controller than the PlayStation. Like I like having my movement stick top left rather than bottom left. 
I think I, for me, I think it's easier to hit that D pad. I haven't had a PlayStation since high school. So yeah, I, I, I prefer Xbox controllers and they work better with PC games too. Yeah. And the, the Nintendo switch is two analog sticks, but their pro controller is very similar to an Xbox controller. I'd yeah. say more so than a PlayStation. Cause I think um, at this point we're just at style. Like the function's been nailed down. You only have so many fingers for a normal. Only so game. many fingers. Like we, we've hit that pinnacle of, of design. Although like, I do have like a pro controller for Xbox where it has buttons and toggles at the bottom. So My I can, um, yeah, I love that, but I only get super get serious. Things. Yeah. Yeah. And then that way I don't have to move my right thumb on my view stick. Mm-hmm. I can just use the fingers down below my middle and ring finger down below. Yep. And that's style versus function. Cause I mean, it is function in a way. But yeah, I, fuck, I could go on a whole thing about video game consoles too, how they look and things like that. You could also use video game consoles as a marker for stratigraphy because they look oh, absolutely. so different. Same with um, phones. Like it, like those are the always really like good. my favorite, like trying to explain an archaeological concept to students. It's like you all know the differences in fucking phone technology at this point. Right. And I, I, I think I'm going to use game controllers next time. But I think phones are more encompassing to a broader audience. Phone, yeah, for sure. Because not everyone played a Wii or a Nintendo. But we're at the point um, now with iPhones, like there's such fucking difference. There's little difference. Firmware uh, random wise. Object. Firmware? Yeah. yeah. Oh, sorry. I was going to say CD. What can you tell me about Ooh. CDs? Yeah. Definitely. I think function at that point. Yeah. Going because what there was like laser discs that were like massive. Yeah. Those are huge. And, I, and at that point, I think they were able to put more data onto a smaller disc that was more convenient. Mm-hmm. to lug around than having, you know, basically the equivalent of a record. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And then you can yeah, put but on, like the different, the labels on them are vastly different. Do those have a function? How would we oh, look absolutely. That? Style. Yeah, definitely yeah. style. 100%. I miss the days of like being on the bus and everyone had those like packages of CD Big cases. Leather CD it, cases. Yeah. And then everybody was just like on the bus, like trading CDs to listen to and everyone like scrambling when you got to school, now that's got what home, I call like, music six. And you're like, oh, hell yeah. Kids bought five, you know, like the OG. <laughs> They're like kids bought 50 something now. And it was just like, I remember when kids bought was radical. Like, do you want to listen to hot songs that don't have cuss words? Here's kids. Was Bop. it just kids singing it? I never had one. Yeah. I mm. never bought one either, but I fondly remember the commercials on Cartoon Network and Nickelodeon. So how would someone look at the different, say an NSYNC CD versus a Backstreet Boys CD? Oh, that's excellent. I still have CDs from that time. And I used to absolutely love NSYNC back in the day. Loved it. I still have my, um, is it No Strings Attached CD? I believe that's what it was called. It had Bye 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 on it. Yeah. Yeah. I kind of want to listen to that now. Fuck, I want to get that on Spotify. Do they have NSYNC? And then, of course, Justin Timberlake went on and. It's crushing it. But I don't know. I mean, it was kind of the boy band, like copy and paste idea, right? During that time, like everyone was doing it. Like everyone, like there was that, there's that structure. And I think Fifth Harmony, which broke up a couple years ago, that same deal is like you get a group of people together that all contribute. Like K-pop is very big in this. Like there's always the bad boy, the nerd, like they Hmm. carbon copies. I, I don't know if like an archaeologist was to see, an album cover, it's just style. There's no function. Yeah. Just how, how would we determine? I guess after 
the CDs being the exact same size and shape. And then there's, it'd be like pottery stamps, you know, like there's different yeah. stampings on them. That would be, that would make the most sense. Mm-hmm. I don't know what a bagel bracelet is. Uh, oh, bangle bracelet. Coffee mug. Uh, a ceramic. Yeah. And there'd be, oh, there's so much style to that too. Just like a pottery. Okay. That's literally a ceramic. I'll move to the next thing. But yeah, but, but what makes a coffee mug different than other mugs is that it's meant to not burn your hands when you hold it. Mm. And it's specifically produced for containing very hot objects. So I would say function supersedes style on that. I mean, now we updates, they all have fun shit on them and logos, but yeah, I love Mondays. I hate Mondays, whatever the classic mug says, sir, this is a Wendy's. <laughs> sir, this is a Wendy's. <laughs> well, well one, have you seen that Demi Lovato interview where they ask her what her favorite dish is? What does she say? It's like a cla- It's like a viral vine. I think which she's there. Like what's your favorite dish? She's like, um, I would say mugs. <laughs> she's like because you can put you can hold hot beverage they were asking like oh. <laughs> versus like, you know, oh what's oh I, that's funny describe yeah, your like, favorite date like may may 28th or whatever <laughs> yeah that's funny as shit good for her but i bring that up because she mentions like you know it's you you could they don't burn your hand on them because a little handle sometimes the handles are more ergonomic than others but again all humans have the same five fingers so like i mean no, i shouldn't say that not all humans do that's that's the base template is five fingers. That's the there vanilla model. Yeah. yeah, it's the the version one point Like there's only so many ways you can hold a mug, and it has to shield your hands from being burned by the the cut. You know, so it's a different type mm-hmm. of thing. A puddle that's not an object. Cookie jar. These are all Masonic. I got one. Uh, I got one. Masonic. I got one. Ceramic. Flashlight. 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 Yeah, that's another one too. They're very. They all have at the end of it the eye where the light comes out of, for yep. sure. But there's many ways to get there. Some of them are like S-shaped. Some of them are L-shaped. Some, don't laugh. Some of them are like, you got the police ones that like you can, you know. Also bashing someone's head with Hit it. people with. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then, but there's also tiny little ones like that you get at the supermarket, the Energizer ones that are in your hand. Is there any part of the world with less light than others? Yes, Alaska. But like at the end of the day, like it's, you're all seeing the same, like what, five feet in front of you with a flashlight? Also, style versus function. I think function. I think function is probably with with flashlight probably the most critical because like even the, the descriptions of flashlights that you were just telling us about, like they all serve a different purpose. It's not necessarily for style. Like the small ones that you buy at the store, it's like something for your car okay. versus the police one, which those are like heavy duty mm-hmm. searchlights. Like I think how they're built is indicative of their purpose. That's now true. there's like the children's one that have like Scooby Doo and shit on the side of them. That's probably more style. Yeah, I remember having like one of the kids ones that you could rotate the lens or something. Like, you know what I'm talking about? I think it was yellow. Like it was a yellow flashlight. It was this fucking looked like a uh, boombox, and then it had like a red filter and then a blue filter. Like it was just this film. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yes, I remember that. Yeah, it was like a toy. Yeah, yeah, or maybe I can't. Yeah, I don't know. Fucking core memory unlocked. <laughs> it's funny you mentioned Scooby Doo though, because in the class where we talked about this, it was band aids, and like, do Flintstones or Rugrats or Scooby Doo band aid brand bandages have more healing power function versus others? And like, obviously, medically, no. Mm-hmm. But if a child would be more likely to keep the Scooby Doo one on because it doesn't, you know, it's cool looking it's going to heal better. 
So yeah. like it's other things like this we got to think about too with ceramics and projectile points. Like yeah, that one's dinky and shitty, but like maybe a person thought it had good karma on it for like hunting or something. You know, it's like and it's like all a dean that, point. Gotta, a dean point, yeah. You gotta <laughs> That's a callback that like two years it. ago. <laughs> was it two years ago? We talked about that recently. It was two years no, ago. Yeah, dean. we dean first came out a long time ago. I need to make an AI generated Ralph Wiggum as a caveman named Dean. <laughs> Um, that's our new logo. Um, <laughs> Those berries taste like burning. <laughs> grandma tells me to burn things. Uh, it was a leprechaun tells me to burn things. I hang out with grandma. That was the thing. But yes, so you got to think about that stuff when you're categorizing artifacts because like it's all the, it's stuff we're never going to know. Mm-hmm. Like how, what the function is or like why the Scooby-Doo Band-Aid would be more prized to children than the other ones. Obviously it has a, a cute character on the front of it, but it's stuff like that we, we can't figure out. But at the same time, processual archaeology is just like, okay, these ones are decorated. These ones aren't. We'll deal with that later. Separate them to decorated versus undecorated, which is what I did at Curation for four years. And like, you can figure out the stuff later. I don't know. It's endless stuff you can think about with this topic. Yeah. I think when I think of like Band-Aids, different types, what easily comes to mind, part of this debate are like valentine's day cards did you used to do those in elementary school like valentine's day everyone would give you like run around the classroom and put valentines in each other's bags girls didn't like me dude i wasn't that kind of kid (laughs) but did that experience occur (laughs) like was that activity allowed regardless if you received valentines or not i don't think i ever received a a valentine from like a a real one but we did like the class like fill out heart cards and cut them out yeah but like we give to people yeah because I think I remember like trying to get like the coolest Valentine's. Like it was always like kind of like who had the best Valentine's. And if you had one that if you and someone else had the same Valentine's, that was kind of lame. The same Valentine's. Like the same type. Like if I got Batman Valentine's and you got the oh, same brand. Like the stationery. The stationery. Yeah, the stationery of the Valentine's. Gotcha. I thought you had just like a Valentine's present. No, <laughs> no, no, no. I mean like purely yeah. purely style. Very little function other than capitalism. <laughs> yeah, that's true. How about a ring? Like jewelry, well, style or function? How many rings? Three rings? Seven rings? Says one ring. Nine rings? A you ring. One ring? One a ring. ring. Okay. To rule them all. I mean, if it's Middle Earth, they definitely have functions. <laughs> if it's well, careful now, we don't want to upset Archeo Dunedain. Dude, we don't want to overstep boundaries. He's the man, dude. He's a good kid. He's probably Never at my age. so insulted on Discord before. <laughs> it's okay, Doc. Rings. Yeah. So I I still struggle finding which hand, and this is once you guys, anyone listening who's younger than 18, once you get to 22, when everyone starts getting married around you, you really have to learn like, okay, who has a ring on their finger and who doesn't? It's something you start looking at. And maybe that was just me, but I also still to this day can never remember what hand it is. And then I'm dyslexic. So when I look at somebody, I'm like, that's definitely their left hand. But then I like have to raise my left hand and be like, well, that's my left. So that's their right. And then they've, I've, the conversation has left at this point. Point being rings signify that you're married or engaged or not, but you change yeah. the engagement yeah. finger and like, it's all the culture with that. And I'm like, is, are they married or not? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I think there's a lot. I think like, yes, wedding rings are function other rings like the one that i have on my hand i think that's it's a little bit of style but also like there's a very like i wear turquoise and i think there's a function to that well it's a very like southwest oriented style of jewelry that's often associated with indigenous folks or like mayas pretend cowboys it's a style yeah 
Mm. I see it also as like a function of identity display, I guess. And your identity as a single person versus a married person. No, for like, well, the turquoise um, Southwestern well, yeah, ring is like as, an, as indigenous. And then I wear a lot of turquoise generally. But yeah, with the wedding ring, that's like a function of I'm taken. Yeah. You had, a, you had a frat ring one time too, didn't you? No. No? I've your always had turquoise. sweatshirt. That was it. That's right. Yeah, my frat sweatshirt. Somebody I know wears a ring, class ring or something. I never got a class ring in high school, but. No. I, don't I like my fraternity, but not like that much fair enough like that's that's like if i want to rep letters i'll rep letters or like I, like most of my frat t-shirts now are just sleepwear that's their function they used to be identity display back on campus now they're just purely for this is an extra t-shirt yeah we gotcha well i guess with ring and then especially turquoise too like we would see yeah turquoise jewelry very much concentrates to the southwest is there turquoise mines there to make those gems? I, I'm actually not sure entirely, but yeah. there's a culture there that obviously in that area uses them, just like Cumberland Points were here in Tennessee. But rings too, like if you dig up an old ring from, let's say a piece of shell that was tied to a an organic ring somebody made in Pleistocene Europe, mm-hmm. like you're going to pull that up. You have no idea what the marriage ceremonies were, whether that meant like married or single or that meant like, war captive you don't know like what that that ring meant right so it's like you gotta ask yourself all these things but like it's just funny to me as one of the archaeologists will put it away as ring and like people might think that's super reductionist but it has to be because how else are you gonna classify it i can't say if this is a marriage ring versus a, a navajo yeah, did, shaman's ring when know? did um wedding rings become a thing um i'm gonna look it up now that's when one did- of those things that i feel like when you look it up you're gonna be bummed like most things about marriage or women in the past in general. Uh, Your eyes are lighting up. I'm scared. They date back as far as the Roman era, but did not come into common use until the 1700s and then only among the upper class. Well, that makes sense. Diamond engagement rings first spiked in popularity during the mid 18th century after Brazil emerged as a major diamond source, making them more readily available. Hmm. Yeah. But World War II is a big turning point for engagement rings, but also wedding bands. Because all the yeah, soldiers so stole them friend, from Europe uh, and castles. World War II was also responsible for establishing the tradition of men's wedding bands. Hmm. So basically, it's as a reminder of their wives back home. Ah, uh, gotcha. I don't know. Wedding rings stress me the fuck out. They do. Next segment. They're, yeah. <laughs> Spread the word. The JCPenney Friends and Family Sale is back. And this week, we're passing the savings on to you. Use your extra 30% off coupon to prep your home and style your family for Easter. That's extra savings on top of our great low prices. Plus, share your coupon with everyone you know and love. It's always better when we save together. JCPenney, make everybody count. Offer valid 311 through 317. Exclusion supply. See store or jcp.com for details. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And we're back to episode 149 of Life Room's podcast. We're still talking about style versus function. I really have this song stuck in my head, and I need to play it for you all because, like, a student shared this song with me, and it is forever scarring my brain. 
David, let me know if you've if you've heard this before. Human beings fascinate me, being just the way they are. Tell me, little it's pony, so can you push a cart or drive a car? Liar is my instrument, but humans strum their sweet guitar. It's a mystery. Anthropology, fingers, toes, and tiny noses, brownish hair, and tannish skin. It's, uh, Would it be too much to it's ask a to see the world they're living in? Every pony tells me that it's old and fake mythology. It's a mystery. Anthropology. I hate it. Anyways, I just stuck in my head. Please, please turn it off. It's funny. <laughs> <laughs> It just, it just, it, and that's not even the pinnacle. It just keeps going. It just keeps going up. Oh, wow. It just uh, I had a good one, good object here on the randomizer, but I forgot what it was. Wrench came to mind, but uh, we already know what wrench is. Function. House, rope, ice pick, pair of water goggles, dolphin, not, a, not an object, acorn, tree, bottle, rabbit, child, handheld game system, fishing, Panda. child is not an object. The things um, I got dolphin umbrella umbrellas function. I mean, th- that's the hard part. Like a lot of these tools in general, they have a function. Well, that's the thing. So do bifaces, but what's the function? Like, was it going to be a point? Was it going to be a knife? I don't know. We well, there's also blanks. Like, yeah, yeah. But what's the difference between? Uh, like, I don't know. Like differences between objects always kind of boil down to style, I guess. Like that's the whole point. Xbox, GameCube, or Xbox, Nintendo Pro, and PlayStation controllers, that's all style, but they serve the same function. Well, I guess you could say a Pro controller, because the Switch controller, like the Joy-Cons are perfectly made so that you can play it handheld and like they could play the games with them. Yeah. But like some people prefer the function of a Pro controller to the style of it, I guess. Because I think the style of the Joy-Cons looks cool. Just can I game with them? Not really. <laughs> I don't know. What do your students say about this stuff? Well, I'm actually doing a demo tomorrow. So recording this the 19th and tomorrow I'm doing actually like a whole workshop for I'm this religious frozen. studies thing. And like the whole purpose, like I'm actually bringing in like most of my dishware. I'm going to have them categorize these objects based on form. And then at the end, it's going to be, I'll basically show them how I, as a person, the emic perspective actually would categorize the glassware like some of them i use for decoration you know even though they might be a beer mug but like the big ones that i have it's like my fraternity glassware i keep that on a on a shelf i don't actually use that type of stuff what does emic mean again there's the emic and edict perspective and emic the way that i think about it like emic the m in it means me and the edict in spanish there's the two form which means you and that's how i remember it so the emic perspective is my personal inherent experience, whereas the edict experience is someone else's perspective or worldview. And it's like in culture. So like emics like my culture, edict is someone else's culture. Okay. So trying to challenge them in that way. Fishing hook. That one like obviously has its own. I think that's, that's like 100% function. Yeah. There's very little style. Like people don't get like, oh, that's a pretty fishing hook. It's like, no, you need to catch 
right. a fish. Like you like can have a different is... metal, I guess, but that still goes into function. But yeah, you're yeah. right. That is something that's like pretty unanimously like it's fish hook because it physically does exactly what it, it is. Yeah. So that's something on the record too. I wonder how much stuff we can identify as a straight up fish hook, but fish hooks are usually organic back then. They're pretty like the, the concept of a fish hook has been around for a long time. Like that's how you catch fish. Uh, there's fish hooks that go back to like Neanderthals, I believe, hmm. in in Spain slash Portugal. They're pretty industrious over there. Yeah, I mean, people have been there for a long time. I really wish there's more archaeological work being done in Africa. I mean, yeah, it'd be great. So many questions would be answered, but like what the the mid part, like the more equatorial Africa you get, like the more jungle, harder it is to excavate with that highly acidic soil, which affects artifact mm-hmm. preservation. Yeah. I'd love to work in Africa at some point. <laughs> I was wondering where you were going with this versus style and function. I was like, Africa? I don't know. I just, I uh, don't know. But that's yeah, like yeah. the basic, like the, like yeah. the further back you go in time, like when we talk about Australopithecines, Homo erectus, that's function. There is very little in the way of style. I believe like that's like using hand axes and stuff. Hand act. Like this is function. Yeah. Like a lot of our earliest components. I think that's true of any industry in human material culture, like the the first iterations are purely function. Style so. comes later. Yeah. Especially under capitalist markets. I think like now we're in the pinnacle of, of style of our modern human culture. Yeah. Well, I guess with iPhones too, like the software and what they're capable of doing can always change in function. Yeah. Cause um, like now I, iPhones all look the with. fucking same. Yeah, like I didn't even realize there was 14s now. My phone looks exactly like the new ones, but it's not yeah. new at all. Yeah, human culture is pretty fun that way. Although a good one that's actually kind of funny. Have you ever you've seen um, the Dictator, right? The pointy. The the point. Point. Yes. <laughs> you see Elon Musk talking about that? That's exactly where I was going for it. He ordered them to create that rocket because of that fucking movie. It's like Jesus Christ. <laughs> Yeah, some guy probably spent like years, like his whole thesis in graduate school and engineering about how to like make the perfect nozzle for a rocket. And Elon Musk was like, no, I would like it to be pointy. <laughs> I think he did talk like that is slightly less inefficient, but like negligibly, like extraordinarily negligibly yeah, less efficient. It does nothing. Yeah. But yeah, no, that's that's purely, you know. Style. As the dictator was saying, he likes it because in Looney Tunes, when the rocket hits something, it sticks and goes. He's like, I saw a documentary. It's like, uh, <laughs> did this documentary have a duck when it blows up? His bill goes oh, behind his head. It's Rafi. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I am certain you are watching cartoons. <laughs> God, I love Sasha Baron Cohen. Yeah, he's a gem. Carlton, does any of this matter? I don't know, dude. <laughs> At the end of the day. <laughs> if it's up in the point somatic. If it's not anth- like if it's not really helping us understand human behavior, what who gives a shit? Like people get really upset over these things and it's like okay, a fishing hook's a fishing hook. This is a projectile point. Does the minutia over cuz like it's impossible for us to go back in time and like is this personal preference or have they identified something with this unique way to notch or flute a projectile point that's going to make this more efficient? Because at the end of the day, these material cultures continue to change unless they're fish hooks. That is clearly, we've reached the pinnacle of that. Yeah. But like, does it really 
Matt, like when it comes to projectile points, especially in the Paleo-Indian Archaic record, there's very little that we can tell in terms of differences between populations. And that's why we consider them like cultures, even though it's like, are they really cultures? We don't really know. But at least with Clovis and Folsom, it's not until really the Archaic, right, where there are geographic boundaries of projectile point f- types. To what time? It's like in the Archaic. That's when we start seeing differences, really, regionally between types. Well, like Paleo-Indian is pretty regionally distinct, too, but they're all Paleo-Indian lancelet points, pretty much. I mean... But what I mean is, like, there's Clovis points from Maine to Mexico, same with Folsom, and then we kind of start seeing... After Clovis, it starts to become a little more regionalized. Yeah, but I see what you're saying. Yes. Like, true, distinct, like, what am I looking at? This is definitely from early Archaic Tennessee... Versus late archaic Nevada, very different. Yeah, and then like in the Great Plains, there's a lot of diversity, and then really from like the 11 to 1600s, you get plain side notch points from Alberta down to southern Texas. It's like that's it. I guess that's like we hit it. That mm-hmm. is the function, and like Lakotas, Pawnees, Wichitas, Tonkawas, to Crees, like everyone was using the same thing because it's just a little. Arrowhead, and they are arrowheads at this point, and they're side notched. Boom, we did it. We did it. We did it. We got. We got to the. We got to the form that just that works the best. Is is side notching easier than corner notching? Uh, yeah, I would say so. At least yeah. I just haven't tried side notching, but the or it's corner notching. But the fact that I'd never like tried it, I guess, just always led me to think side notching was easier in my hands, or I'm just yeah. used to seeing side notched. I don't know. I don't know why. I really want, wish I was a better napper when it comes to stone tools. I'm a hell of a sleeper. Donnie, I know you're listening, so just shoot me a text when you hear this and you're you're like, here's an answer. You're not Southern. I don't know why I gave you a Southern accent there, but either way, what's up, dog? Can you make a hand axe? Yeah, I can make a hand axe. <laughs> I had, yes, I had somewhere to go voice. with this. I have, I have no idea. Oh, the bow and arrow. Like the bow and arrow. I was thinking this the other day, too, like... Cause I've been reading a lot about like age of exploration and stuff. Like when the Spanish guy, they had like pikes and like blunder, like blunder, but like their guns weren't like super the way we would think they are now. Obviously they were, they had muskets and stuff, but I think they had archivists. Archivists. I've, I remember that from, was that it's the Assassin's one with, Creed um, three? Yeah. They're like super inaccurate. And they're the ones that have like the um, rope for the fuse. Oh, I remember those. Yes. They're old school. No, it's not a flintlock. It's an archivist. Oh. The flintlocks have the flint. The archivists have the the burning rope from like Pocahontas. Right. Okay. Yeah. 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 Those things. I know they had that in like the Reconquista in Spain. But yeah, they, I mean, it's 1492. They brought the same stuff over. Point being, I don't think they were using bows at that point. They were using crossbows in some ways. But my segue with this was bows are probably 70,000 years old if not a little 50,000, 10,000 years old. But like point being a technology that was used for a very long time and like up until like, like when the Spanish got here, they would have been like, oh, these are bows and arrows. It wasn't like a foreign primitive technology like an atlatl is, you know, but still it's like that's something that's been perfected. You spring something and launch it a direction and like a catapult works the same way. Think of something every day that works with a spring. I mean, but there is, there is difference in some of the styles. Like, and we've been trying to figure this out because like the Pawnee used gullwing bows, which look like a bow that's backwards. So rather than like a recurve where the bow 
the bend in the bow is facing towards the archer that's facing the opposite direction. Mm. Now, what does that do? It does make it like easier to draw the bow. I think Donnie yell at me if I'm wrong, but there's only so far you can bend it. Like it has a maximum bend. Whereas like a recurve, you can keep pulling on that puppy. We think it's just kind of like you can pull it back. And once you really hit that resistance, you know, it's time to let go. Like you've hit its maximum draw. Like it's a, it's a much easier indicator. Hmm. But that's very particular to the Pawnee and other people were using different styles of bow. Like the Comanches, especially on horseback, the Comanche war bow, really tiny. It's really zippy when you fire it. Like it's it's a small bow when you fire. But that, that arrow fucking, it's gone. Like a Mongolian bow. Yeah. Well, Mongolian balls are like you've, have you like seen, I know you've seen them. Those things They're are like massive. Tiny. No, the Sorry. Mongolian war bows. Those things like are the, massive. The horse archer bows are like way smaller than I thought they'd be. No, but the oh. Mongolian ones, like once those were strung up, they were not unstrung for years. Like they had oh. a special person. Like the draw weight on a Mongolian bow is fucking crazy. Like you in and under the cons, a bow maker would be put to death if his bow broke. I mean, I would ask if that was real, but like a lot of the shit he said did. I was like, eh. So yeah, real, we, I've seen some of, at Demon S. They're gorgeous and they actually are very pretty. Like not only are they functionally like like imagine that. Like uh, modern day bows, you unstring them after you were done with them. They kept their strung for fucking years and they didn't lose tension. Hmm. And they pierced armor. Yeah. And I was thinking it's because they're not long like a long bow, but they're smaller, but they have curves in them, which give it the power. Yeah. I guess that's what I, I was trying to Yeah, get no, at. I got you. Yeah, they're a short bow, not a yeah. small bow. Mongolian war bow. But they're not um, like, you know, Legend of Zelda, tiny little, I believe it's the fairy fairy bow or the Holy bow shit. Yeah. So that's oh, an English long bow. The Mongolian bow had a draw weight up to 150 pounds. I typed the Mongolian bowl. <laughs> that hungry. is crazy. Like that, their curve? 150 pound, 150 pound draw weight. That's a fucking lot. To kill an elk, you need like anywhere between above 35. Like you need basically 40 to 50. 150 pounds. That's you are basically doing a fucking. Yeah. A lat pull of 150 (laughs) with one arm. Like that's a lot of of weight. Just a little thing too. Yeah. Well, we've discussed Alvarez functions today, Carlton. We have, David. I think this was beneficial to our audience. I think so too. Connor's broken. As am I, I'm tr- as I'm trying to get this pen cap back in. I too am broken. We're a mess. Carlton's broken physically and spiritually. So yeah. we're just we're, we're we'll barely keeping content. What what happened to his back this time? Is it from the car wreck on the highway of death from a couple years ago? That didn't help it. But he um he hurt his back, I believe, working out a few years ago, uh, and he had to get surgery for it. And like now he like he has re hurt the same thing. And the moral wow. of the story is like Connor wakes up at 5 a.m. every day to work out and he's a very fit person. But like, can I have an interview? I need to get oh. back into Like I was going five, six times a week. Now I've shrunk back to three week, three days a week. I, I'm just not it's having a good time sleeping. Like I'm not. I can actually I, I'm starting to see the veins in my shoulders now, which I was very proud about. There was starting to pop. Good way to be vascular. I'm trying. It's like I, Nicole, the diet's kind of the window. Now. I got I got beefy arms. I feel like Robert Baratheon. <laughs> <Bessie>. <laughs> God bless Bessie and her tits. 
Wow. Okay. That was, <laughs> wow. Wow. Okay. God, I love Robert Pattinson. Uh, me too. I wasn't gonna quote that on our podcast. Well, why does but... who gives a shit? We've said much first. It's a it's quote. Quoting it's Robert a quote. Yeah, it's yeah. a quote. Um, what's the, that what's the better one? That's what he says. Oh, oh the Dothraki. Uh, anyway, no, guys, we're, yeah. we're we're keeping it together. I'm still. I don't know if I've updated you guys. The doctors have no idea what's wrong with me. They're just like your hands will work when they, you know, they might not. Not you're good. <laughs> yeah, and it turns out I don't have ADHD. I have severe anxiety. Well, yeah, they mis- misdiagnosed at first, and like no one told me in my family. Like, does your family have a history of anxiety? And I was like, I don't think so. But then I like go back home and I went telling people what happened. They're like, oh, all of everyone on your dad's side of the family, like your dad suffered from panic attacks. We're all in anxiety meds. I'm like, wait a minute, and I wonder if that's if that's historic or generational trauma because uh, it's only the Indians that have it. Leading research on anxiety is that in ADHD, you can have genetic predispositions to it, but it's ex- extra, what do you call it? Epigenetic co- like factors that cause it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, sweet. So like, yeah. Environmental Anxious. factors. There you go. Like things like that can like trigger it in you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Anxious people. Hoping to get on medication because fuck does this shit suck. This episode took a... <laughs> the dark turn this got bad we're guys we're we're here we're getting your content carlton's recording his own episode here in a minute uh last week uh when you're hearing this you will have heard me talk to Vinny. Vinny oh, bag of donuts air duster in my water that's great can i start eating wings can we play see if and eat wings follow rate review the podcast Please keep listening to us. Don't leave after this nonsense. If you want to be a host on the podcast, please let us know. We need help. The other context is Carlton just drove across the country and back the other day, and he's like trying to be a functional person. I haven't had a thought since November. It was bliss. Nine and a half hours of not getting assaulted by emails. I wish I could drive all the time. I'll drive your bus, David. I'll drive you wherever you want. Just keep keep the phone away from me. All right. Let's, uh, I'll be a bus person. I'll change my, my idea from a C person to a bus person. <laughs> See, live and die by this, the bus. D. Live and die by crap, the bus. All right. Till next time. Bye. Thanks for listening to a Life in Ruins podcast. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at a Life in Ruins podcast. And you can also email us at a Life in Ruins podcast at gmail.com. And remember, make sure to bring your archaeologists in from the cold and feed them beer. This episode was produced by Chris Webster from his RV traveling the United States, Tristan Boyle in Scotland, DigTech LLC, Cultural Media, and the Archaeology Podcast Network, and was edited by Chris Webster. This has been a presentation of the Archaeology Podcast Network. Visit us on the web for show notes and other podcasts at www.archpodnet.com. Contact us at chris at archaeologypodcastnetwork.com. 
spread the word. The JCPenney Friends and Family Sale is back. And this week, we're passing the savings on to you. Use your extra 30% off coupon to prep your home and style your family for Easter. That's extra savings on top of our great low prices. Plus, share your coupon with everyone you know and love. It's always better when we save together. JCPenney, make everybody count. Offer valid 311 through 317. Exclusion supply. See store or jcp.com for details. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. .com.